Today we've got a great malicious compliance story all about chopping down trees. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, the cigarette codes. I once worked for a well-known chain of grocery stores as a bagger. The company had a different name for it, but for all the intents and purposes, the job was to be a bagger. And as the only real requirements for being a bagger is that you have thumbs, it's a position you usually want to get out of so you can get into a better paying department. Some people, however, want you to stay. Enter my supervisor, who for the purposes of this story I shall call Abby. Abby is a hard worker, dedicated to the job, and an all-around good person. She manages the front end, the cashiers, baggers, and customer service fall under her jurisdiction, and knows that I'm reliable, treats customers well, and wants me to stay at the front end. This way, I can help her, she can train me to be a cashier, and the company can save money because, while the cashier has a higher pay rate, a bagger cross-trained as a cashier doesn't. One day, I'm helping a customer with a large order when her card runs out of funds, and we spend a long time deciding what items she wants to keep and what items need to be cancelled. I ask Abby to help, but she's apparently in an important conference call. She tells me I'm trained for this and to follow procedure, but me only being a novice and unsupervised, I make a few mistakes. I take the modified list for her approval and to see if I did it correctly, and she finds my mistakes. At the checkout counter, she corrects them, makes nice with the customer, and then sweetly asks me to the back office. In the office, Abby becomes very patronizing, going over every mistake with a fine-toothed comb. It wrinkled me the wrong way, but I stayed quiet. She then said that I was to be a bagger for a while and let her handle the customers and any complications in the front end. Cue malicious compliance. A few days later, a gentleman came into the store urgently wanting to speak with the manager. He had this crazed look in his eye. His hand trembled and, quite frankly, had the vibe of someone just a little bit off. Instead of calling the manager, I called the nearest available person that could help him, Abby. They began talking and I continued work as a bagger. But as I worked, I could overhear snippets of their conversation. The man was urgently in need of someone to listen. There were codes on the back of the cigarette packages that were of profound importance to the store, the county, the state, and the nation as a whole. Different versions of cigarettes by the same brand used different ciphers, some of them being only red herrings to obscure the truth. Other brands were completely deceptive, weaving fantastical lies about the state of the world. Circular logic patterns repeated endlessly as this man talked, and Abby only had this to say. Hmm, yeah, okay. But the man went on, offering Abby no recourse except repeating the same three words, her eyes glazing over. Hmm, yeah, okay. This conversation went on for 15 minutes as I busied myself with helping customers. The conversation finally ended with Abby saying, We'll get right on it, sir and politely ushering him out of the store. She then walks over to me and asks, What the heck was that? I shrug. He said he wanted a manager. She exhaled the longest, loudest sigh I ever heard her breathe. She told me to get back to work, and for the rest of my time at the front end, she never talked down to me. I mean, honestly, literally, I don't think OP's getting paid enough to deal with that, and it's right up what exactly what she said. If you're working a position like that as a bagger or a cashier and somebody says, I want to see your manager, should you really be conditioned to try to take on that burden yourself? Or should you be more than happy to be like, okay, right away, sir. Also, hi, I'm Steven. And if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, 
why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our next story is, get the freak off of your property? That's a splendid idea. Several years ago, I worked as a tool guy. For those who don't know, mechanics buy all their own tools. Shops provide very little. They're also incredibly busy people, so I'd drive shop to shop with a big truck full of tools to sell, fix, order, tools, and help find solutions to things they were coming across. Plenty of mechanics spend as much on tools as students spend on college. This was a difficult job as my customers were a very rough bunch. You had to have thick skin to do this job and those that didn't wouldn't last long at all. I was running one of the most established routes in the area to the point where mechanics from other territories would travel to me due to my knowledge, reliability, and inventory. I was well known in the local automotive community and I pampered my customers. The issue with pampering your customers is that some of them grow used to it and don't realize how good they have it. Most everyone was a delinquent at some point in their life, but they would often mature enough to be tolerable as they get older. Not all of them though. One guy I saw had an unbelievable temper. He'd regularly talk down to me, demand everything from me, zero tolerance, and would even complain about the free candy I'd have on the truck for everyone. One day I showed up and he asked, Hey, do you remember that time I told you my jump pack was acting up? Said I don't, sorry, what's wrong with it? Well screw me sideways, he did not like the fact that I didn't remember a conversation from 4 months ago. He flipped, he started witching and going on a tirade. I don't remember what he said but only half was in English so you know he was pissed. He ended up throwing a ratchet at me and yelled, Just freaking fix my crap then get the freak off my property. Finally and out. I picked up his ratchet and rebuilt it, made a repair order for his jump pack, left everything nice and neat on his unbelievably messy toolbox, and never stepped foot on his property again. My boss asked me why, and I told him. He never argued with me about it. I worked 12 to 14 hour days. I wasn't going to put up with that crap, and he agreed with me. From then on, he had to go out of his way to get everything he needed, and it was likely a lot. He even moved his shop to a different area where a less reliable tool guy was. I heard a rumor that he wanted to apologize to me, so I'd come back, but he never had the stones to do it. Honestly, I'd have a lot of respect for this guy who very clearly blew the freak up. If they came back and, I don't know, called for OP or reached out to them and said, listen, I was a hothead, I'm sorry, I really need your business. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I think even in that situation, OP would have been all within their rights to say, no, never again. But if I was in OP's shoes, I'd have a lot of respect for the guy. 
Our next story is, Diva Chef told me just stand there and be quiet. Okay. Background. Let me take you back into my past. Again, I'm in the kitchen in a large culinary company slash catering company. You get these more often than most, a diva in the kitchen. Could be a cook, a chef, or someone with a lot of attitude. Let me introduce you Chef Smokey, reason explained in a moment. At the time, he was a line cook with some attitude issues. He had just joined on with us and he acted like he was going to be the next top chef in this company. He came over to our main line, looked things over, and then came to the prep zone. Now, the difference in the prep zone and main line is the type of burners. On the main line, we have gas ranges, six in fact. In the prep zone, we have almost all L-shaped counters with induction burners set up. On unusually swapped nights, the prep zone will handle appetizers for the main line. The story, here comes Chef Smokey about to take the lead on appetizers. Myself and one other person are working hard, but apparently not smart enough. So, Chef Smokey grabs multiple pans and puts them on the induction burners. He revs them up super high and adds his olive oil. Now, there are two glitches in this scenario. Issue 1, induction burners. These older ones use specific pans and special setup to work. So, they can be temperamental when they do work and if you use the wrong pan, either the pan won't work or they act up. Issue 2, olive oil smokes faster than the normal canola, vegetable or mixed oil we have on site. Recipe calls for olive oil. We don't pump our induction burners to super high, especially when you're using pans not made for it. The pans work, but they can run super hot, overload the induction burner, or not work at all. He sprays oil into all five pans he has on super high. He gives us a super conceited look. I say, you might not wanna. Chef Smokey says, zip it. I say, but you seriously might not. They say, just be quiet and watch. I say, with all respect, you... I reach to lower the settings on the induction. He nearly spanks my hand. He says, just stand there and be quiet. Malicious compliance. Okay, learn the hard way, I think. Chef Smokey starts his first pan, dropping his appetizer to cook. It comes out great, but as he reaches for his second pan, the oil has already insta-burned. Pan 3, 4, and 5 are also have burned oil. They're smoking. So, being a resilient, smart, and problem-solving human he is, he wipes the pans and sprays oil in them. Oil insta-burns. Okay, he tries a new tactic. Chef Smokey drops oil and then drops his appetizer material at the same moment. Nice try. His appetizers insta-burn because his oil was already burned quick. He goes through the cycle about three times of burning product pretty fast. He's getting raging pissed. So I try to stop him, but he's gotta try one last time. Burns it again. He lays his oil in his pans again. I lean in and say, Hey Smokey the Bear, your oil's burning again. Aftermath, Chef Smokey backs off. Then it's each man to a pan. He turned to the moderate level. While Chef Smokey starts the reprep of the lost product he'd burned through, let me note he burned most of day's product, so he was going to spend the day re-prepping. He spent a good day silent. The guys in the kitchen used my nickname I gave him. Some called him Smokey the Bear. Some called him Chef Smokey. And it stuck till he quit. All I know is, is I could be super, super confident at my job. If I got a new job working somewhere and somebody slides over and says, hey, that equipment's kind of temperamental, you gotta look out for these things. 
I'd probably heed their advice. I wouldn't just assume it'll somehow magically work for me. At the very least, I'd find out after the first time of failing, unlike this guy. The only problem with the nickname is Smokey the Bear wants you to prevent wildfires, not darn near start them. Our next story is, just undo that knot. When I was a teenager, I spent my summers visiting my mom on one side of the country, and every other year her mom, my Grammy, on the other side of the country. Grammy usually had some projects that needed doing, like cleaning gutters, fixing a fence, things like that. This story is from when she wanted some trees chopped down. Volunteer trees, the kind that grow tall and fast but not thick, easily handled with a hacksaw and or hatchet if one knows what they're doing. As will become apparent, I was not qualified for that description. Grammy hired a neighborhood team to help out, and the two of us tackled the first and smallest of the three trees. This was when I learned that I was the most qualified of the two of us, so I was in charge of planning. Shockingly, the first tree went smoothly and we learned how well we worked together. Second tree, no problems, we're feeling like we have a handle on things. We get to the third tree and just like we did before, we tied a rope towards the top of the tree, tied it off to an old stump to guide the tree or prevent an accident, and got to work chopping into the trunk of the tree. We realized we had a problem when the rope went tight. Backing off to assess the situation, we were a little baffled at how the tree started falling the way it did, but accepted that if not for the rope, we would have just dropped this tree onto the nearby fence and Grammy's truck just beyond it. As we were discussing how to get the tree to fall the direction we wanted, Grammy came out to see what the holdup was. We got as far as pointing out the rope when she utters the line, Oh, I see the problem. You used the wrong type of knot. You needed a slip knot so you could tighten it up as you went. I said, no, that's not the problem. The problem is, here, undo that knot. I'll show you how to tie a proper knot. Nothing we could say could dislodge that idea that we just needed a proper knot. So, confirming that what happened next was directly Grammy's fault, we undid the knot. The knot that was holding up a whole tree. Grammy was halfway into the first step of whatever knot she wanted us to tie before she realized why we weren't listening to her. All three of us watched this tree fall, nice and slow, onto the fence. With a mighty crack, the trunk separated from the stump and the tree continued tipping directly onto the roof of Grammy's truck. Silence. Then, finally realizing what we had tried to tell her, Grammy lets out a hearty laugh. Okay, I was wrong. Now finish the job and get the tree off my car. I would just say for the sake of anybody who's had to deal with narcissistic or even just easily agitated people with like anger issues, thank God Grammy understood exactly what went on here, owned it, and was actually like pretty chill about it. I could just imagine in any scenario, you chop that tree down, it crushes the truck or lands on the truck, And Grammy just starts freaking out, saying, Oh, why didn't you tell me harder that what I was saying was wrong? You know, just putting the blame on somebody. If anything, that reaction would make me love Grammy even more, and I would do my best to make sure I didn't mess up the next tree after that. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.